This podcast brought to you by TechSmith. More A2 is software for usability testing and user experience research, enabling you to test quickly and often, letting you solve real design issues. By PowerMapper. Mapping your site has never been easier. PowerMapper extracts links from each page of your site until it's mapped your entire site, providing you with a complete inventory. By OptimalSort. With an elegant user interface, powerful analysis, and outstanding support, OptimalSort can help you run successful card sorts better than you ever thought possible. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For other events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. Dave Wolf, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Synergy Systems, was kind enough to join me for this conversation the day after his presentation, just prior to catching his flight that morning. We talk about Synergy's award-winning application, Ben, at the FizzPop competition, a national design and development challenge sponsored by Microsoft. Ben is a series of interconnected cross-platform applications that leverage the power of Microsoft Silverlight, Windows Presentation Foundation, Live Services, Twitter, and VoIP Technologies. Thanks again to Dave for joining me at the last minute, and I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. I'm talking with Dave Wolf from Synergy Systems. Um, and Dave gave a great presentation the other day at UX Week uh, around an application uh, that you developed uh, for South by Southwest competition called Ben. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So maybe you could talk to us a little bit about the competition and, and what, what the process was for building the app. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. Um, about a year ago, Microsoft came up with the idea and said, let's kind of throw the gauntlet down and let's sponsor uh, a contest to find the best rich internet application design and development company. Um, the best way I can describe it is they kind of set it up like Project Runway. Okay. So uh, they went out and they took uh, 36 agencies and six cities and they did a set of regional events. Um, and like Project Runway, you were given kind of a scenario and some personas to solve that for. So okay. the scenarios could be anything from uh, one I remember was uh, Pan Am Airlines is coming back in business and they would use experience and, and, and software to help drive their customers' experience. Or, um, you know, the, the movie studios are facing a challenge with online distribution of media and they want to use experience to do that. Okay. Um, you're given some personas and you're giving a whopping 72 hours um, to concept the idea. Okay design the idea, and then build it and pitch it. Well, and that's what you're saying in your presentation. You want to thank Microsoft for the case of Red Bull. Yeah. You sent to your office. Exactly. 72 hours to, to build to build what you had, had built, which we'll get into later, was is remarkable in yeah. terms of what you were able to develop. Well, and there were 72 real hours, not even developer hours. So right. um, I think they did sleep some. And then what they did was, um, again, like Project Runway, the winners of these regional events, we all went to South by Southwest. Okay. Um, and in this case, uh, we were, instead of a sprint, we were given 30 days uh, to do the same thing. And this time, the, the scenario was around politics. There was an entire uh, scenario description, and, and on the FizzPop site they have it, but to boil it down, it was build software for the 21st century citizen to get them informed about politics and involved in politics. Uh, you have 30 days, begin. Wow, okay. And, and, and that's really important in this day and age, of course, especially with with everything going on in the world and to be able to become more informed, right? And, and instead of getting the, the mass media, which is mostly TV, which you hear about, to be able to let the citizens sort of engage in a dialogue in back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting. It's, it's one of the cases, specifically in politics, where technology's probably made us less engaged um, in politics than making us more engaged, and that was one of the things we tried to focus on with Ben. Right. And that was I was reading an article online about this whole process that you went through, and um, you were talking about how 
you know, our, our grandparents' generation would watch Walter Cronkite on right. TV, right? And and trying to get that sort of that engagement back because there weren't there weren't 999 channels where you could go and do that. You sort of had one source of media to, to look at and to engage the audience and to learn about what was going on within within the presidential race, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And we treated this um, the 30-day run like we would have any other project and went through uh, our what we call look first, which is our top to bottom or front to back style development approach where we're focusing on that user experience using user experience to understand what's the data, how does the data relate to each other, do sort of the information architecture side, and then meld in past that more um, lessons learned from sort of the, the movie world of sto storyboards, wireframes, connecting wireframes to storyboards, how they related to the information architecture, and using that to hash out all the sort of ugly, geeky programming stuff. Um, and early on, the stuff that came out of this model and design discovery were those kinds of things, right? Technology made it harder for people to communicate. Um, information overload, there's simply too much information. And the fact that the information we get tends to come from sort of one political side, and, and we're not we're not shown the counterpoints, which lead to other dialogues, which let us get into lots of visualizations of how we visualize counterpoints and how do we visualize discussions and let us do all that RIA magic that you know these new technologies let us do. Yeah, one of the interesting uh, there's a new uh, there's an interesting application a lot of IAs and user experience professionals have been sort of diving into around uh, Wordle, uh, sort of a tag cloud that allows you to look at the number of words, the large number. Of, more often the words used, the larger the font size, right? Yep. So it gives you an understanding. And when you were demonstrating uh, part of uh, part of Ben the other day, you were sort of looking at different TV programs, right? So how many t how many often you watch a particular mm -hmm. network versus another versus someone else. Maybe you can describe a little bit about that application. Yeah, I think one of our challenges coming from having this long background in in sort of classic software development is we tend to fall into the trap that. We have the, the information architecture up in front of the data modeling, right? Yes. And the experiences tend to come in at the end, and they tend to mimic almost exactly the data model rather than the information architecture, and much rather than any sort of storyboard and process of a real person. So why do you see so many tables in, in business software? Well, it's in the database in rows and columns, and programmers think in rows and columns, and so we'll display it. And why do we have tree views? Well. You know, the information architecture is hierarchical, so we'll display it hierarchical. Um, and a lot of what we try to do is, is visualize what the data actually means. And often, you know, it's really the value of this front-to-back development because we can actually teach both the uh, data modelers especially, but even sometimes the information architects, a bit about how the data relates based on experience. Okay. Um, so, for example, we wrote a piece of software that was about purchase orders. And it also had a job ID, which was some ID that guys on the shop floor were used to seeing. And in, in the data models, uh, they had normalized the job ID away from the purchase order number. They didn't see any relationship. When we had gone front to back and designed the screens and designed the interactions, we found that there was no point in the entire piece of software that job ID and purchase order number were not on the same screen. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, meaning they truly were related. Right, exactly. But, but from pure, pure data point, nobody thought of that. But from a workflow and storyboard aspect, you would never separate them. And so it allowed us to go back to the data modelers and say, we should denormalize that mm -hmm. um, and, and bring those together. And, and you know, Dayton Cod might not be happy, but the software is going <laughs> to run better. So. Yeah, exactly. And one of the other things that you did was looking at trying to put this, uh, these applications onto mobile devices as well, uh, something I think you referred to as Tiny Ben. Yeah, um, one of the things we believe firmly um, that we've done wrong in software, um, and, and to be fair, 
writing software is pretty infantile compared to other manufacturing things like building cars and buildings and uh, the such, is that we felt we built software for the same person on the same device in the same environment. So we started thinking at a large company that a CFO had the same storyboard or, or day that a, a shipping clerk had, right. which is clearly very different. Um, so one of the things we've believed really strongly in is that you build the right software for the right people on the right device and on the right place on the network, which might not even be on the network. Um, and so when we built Ben, Ben, we did that as well. Um, we built Ben Online, or affectionately Big Ben. Mm -hmm. um, we built uh, Little Ben, which was a desktop application that ran um, not in a browser, but as a true piece of software on the desktop. And then we wrote Tiny Ben okay. uh, that ran on a mobile device. And we took Tiny Ben even a step further mm -hmm. um, and put Tiny Ben out as the Facebook application. Again, you know, the same software, but targeted at different people on different kinds of devices and on different places on the network. Exactly. Maybe maybe you could talk to our listeners a little bit about uh, Silverlight as well, because I know that's a it's a relatively new um, yep. application from Microsoft, and it's. Uh, very powerful and, and quite dynamic, and maybe you could talk a little bit. It runs on the .NET platform? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, uh, we're we a rich internet application design development company. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the first thing people think about probably is Adobe Flash uh, right. in that world. Um, movies, in essence, playing inside of a player. Silverlight is Microsoft's entry into this space uh, for building serious enterprise class, rich internet applications. It works in the same way. It has a player. The player plays, in essence, a movie. Um, but what's really interesting about uh, the Silverlight option is that it's built on top of the .NET stack. So we can build a piece of software in the rich internet application style. We can deliver it through a browser to not just Windows, but to Mac and Linux um, from the exact same source. And we can build it on top of the .NET platform. So we could use C Sharp both, say, in Silverlight and in the back end that's driving that, connect it up with web services. Um, you know, cross-platform, cross-browser, these rich, engaging, interactive experiences. And Silverlight's Microsoft's foray, uh, they announced it two years ago. Right. Um, it's in its second major release, which is in a late beta today, uh, and it's taking off. We've, we've used it from for things like major enterprise applications all the way to uh, games like Line Rider, right. uh, built in Silverlight. And Microsoft has um, been working with NBC as well, uh, streaming the Olympics. Really? Okay, excellent. Yeah, because I know at the uh, IA Summit in Miami this year, Andrew Hinton uh, from Vanguard actually gave a closing keynote and, and talked about how um, content isn't so much king anymore, but conversation is king. And I think that's what, what looking at the Ben app that you displayed the other day, that was the first thought that came to my mind. I'm like, here is a brilliant tool to extend the conversation. I mean, it's it's geared towards politics, but it could literally be used for, for anything, right? Any kind of conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and we called it dialogue, right, when we were right. talking about it. But it, it's conversation. It's interesting. It's it's kind of that mixture of content, meeting, process, and storyboard. Um, right. And that kind of comes together. Yeah, yeah. it's dialogue or conversation. Yeah. And in this day and age, uh, understanding in, in the vast amount of data that we're sorting through every day, understanding, I think, is, is really important. And it's through dialogue and through conversation that we can we can make better decisions, especially within our government and I don't think there's any better time in the United States and anywhere in the world in terms of making the best decisions for our leaders moving forward. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting too, we talk about, you'll hear me say, and I, I said a lot in the presentation about visualizations. Yeah. And it's about, I sometimes call this the imagination line, where we have some information that, that may be stored in a table and has some, uh, some taxonomy associated with it and some ontology associated, 
And when we present it in a table, what we do is we push the imagination line at, at the user and make them imagine what that data really meant. And one of the things, trends you're seeing in these rich internet applications is to pull the imagination line back to us. So like in Ben, where they had the data sources that were in that sort of circular tree map, which is a, a new kind of control visualization that probably a lot of IEs have never seen, or definitely a lot of data modelers have never seen. Right. Um, but a new way to, to pull the imagination line back to us and enable the user to blink at what that means. Okay. Without having to do a lot of thinking, without having to imagine, to blink and immediately look like in Ben, wow, NPR is the most read by me, but ABC or Fox News is the most read by everyone else, and be able to know that in an instant without having to look at a big table and look at all the columns and figure it all out. Yeah, Jesse James Garrett uh, worked with Mozilla Labs and developed from the Aurora browser, right. for example. And and that reminded me of, because Adaptive Path was actually one of the uh, one of the judges at this event as yes, well. Yes, right? Peter was one of the judges. There you go, yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and when I saw the Aurora video uh, before the conference and then I saw the Ben app, I'm like, wow, this is great because with Aurora, right, it's you know it's taking that collection, that, that collection of information used most often and the ones that you're not using much sort of start to fade in the background. And, and, and it's that same sort of circular hierarchy that allows you to sort of see, okay, well, what's most important and what am I viewing most often? Yeah, and, and that's the fun collision, right? We're taking, we're taking theories put out by sort of social experienceists like uh, Malcolm Gladwell, right, with the idea of blinking on things and mixing that with real information architecture and what's the taxonomy and the ontology and the relationship and the importance of these words. Tag clouds are probably one of the, one of the more bad word, primitive ways of displaying those same things, but it woke everybody up to say, wow, I can visualize this and blink a lot more quickly. Yeah. We're starting to see other control sets coming out, like tree maps, um, like the, we don't even have a name for it, but the way we visualize that the news on the left to right political spectrum and okay. ways that you could just jump and see something, blink on it, engage. And, and I think that's the cool collision between information architecture and experience, where now people go, through that really hard information architecture work, I now know exactly what that means. Excellent. Now, because this is an audio podcast, if yes. people wanted to uh, see a demonstration of Ben, is there a place they can go online to check that out? Yeah, absolutely. We have um, demonstrations of Ben and a variety of other rich internet applications. Uh, you can go to SynergyTV.com, so www.synergytv.com, okay. um, and see what we call Synergy TV, which is an online showcase of a bunch of applications ranging from uh, ben, which, you know, being in a design contest, really sort of the Paris runway yes, of what okay. these things can look like, all the way down to things like a telecom expense management application or a network management tool that lets you visualize and interact with a, with a network of computers. Uh, so that's a great place for people to kind of absorb what this RIA thing is and what it can really mean. Nice. Okay, well, make sure we include that link on the show notes That'd for this particular episode. And, and Dave Wolf, thanks very much for taking time for being on the Boxes and Arrows podcast, and uh, best of luck to you and all the folks at Synergy. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers.